Last time on Montreal Sauce. Or they don't want people running uh, full web servers on residential lines. Well, that's certainly part of it. That's certainly part of it. They're 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 looking at me like, uh, aren't you trying to start a podcast network? Maybe we shouldn't let you just run of the mill, put whatever you want on the internet all the time. Uh, yeah, speaking of, as I said in the beginning, yeah, you share your projects on your website uh, and you call it uh, open source artwork. Uh why is that? Um, I don't know. It's just kind of a name I played with. Uh, I don't. I didn't want it to be too pretentious. <laughs> As in, like, here you can have my stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I just like working on things and sharing it with people, not just as an image, you know, in my gallery, but be like, hey, you know, um, if you want, you can have a look at how I pulled it off. Because for me, I always found it super interesting. Um, I still find it really interesting to look at stuff like visual effects breakdowns, see how many layers they put in, see how they rendered it out, see how they did things. And that's what I like about giving away that scene file just by, Hey, you know, if you're interested, just have a look at it. That's it. Like open it up and, and tinker with it and see if you can get something similar. Or maybe even if you just learn one new shortcut or one new technique, it's awesome. You know, that's kind of what I do it for. Yeah, I always love it when people shared like After Effects files when I was like teaching myself that. So it's like, oh, I get it. And then, you know, it's not always perfect. Like there's always those people who like have also inserted a little bit of code somewhere. So then like when you change one variable, it's like, oh, everything just fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you can still learn something or you can see how they like organize like their comp and everything. Yeah, so. a big inspiration for me was, uh, it was a couple of years ago, some guys, I think it was a studio or a guy, I can't remember, that did an open source demo reel. And they released, like they did a demo reel, was it 30 seconds or a minute? I can't even remember what, how long it was. Hmm. And then they basically said, and here's all the scene files. So have fun. And I thought it was a really interesting way of doing things. No kidding. I would, yeah, I'd like to check that out. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Let's see if I can find it really quickly and post it in the chat, maybe. But oh, it's been it was a couple of years. Yeah. So, so yeah, three D is uh, as I have in my notes, blowing up uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the better technology we have and the Oculus Rift and VR development. Um, video game budgets are so much bigger than Hollywood films and they have all the actors and everything. Is there any interest, uh, that you have like for trying game design? Um, I've definitely played around with some game engines already. Uh, when I was doing a lot of Archfizz, there was, uh, about a year ago, there was a very, um, like a little bit of a movement, people moving into Unreal Engine and doing like real time architectural stuff. Uh, which looked really amazing, by the way. I mean, some of the stuff that, that's been being done and was done then is really, really cool. Um, so, of course, you know, as as things go, you kind of hop on the bandwagon a little bit and try it out. And um, it's interesting. I like it. I'm, I still have to make, like, a choice if I ever really dive into it, what game engine I would like to use. Um, but it's interesting. I I really wonder what VR is going to bring. I really do. Um, the thing is, I see it as something that's going to be either revolutionary or the next, you know, stereoscopic movie. You know what I mean? 
it could either fall flat on its face or skyrocket. I don't think there's an yeah. in-between for VR um, because it's been so hyped, it better deliver at the same time. And the same thing that uh, I guess plagues stereoscopic stuff as well is you still, especially with VR, you're connected to a computer. Like there's this big snake of a cable running to your computer. So I think until you get like super immersive total freedom, it's going to be a very weird process to see how it evolves. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a blog that I an article I wrote on uh, Episcura not too long ago was like, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, someone had posted a demo of uh, I think Microsoft or a company Microsoft owns had did like this uh, test like a year ago where they had these projectors all in a room. And so it was like an augmented reality thing that you could interact with the projections on the walls. And so they had some fun little games you could play, like you're stomping bugs and hitting them and they're, when they're on the floor and the wall and stuff. And, and it was interesting and people were like, well, yeah, this is dumb because VR is so much better. And I was just like, no, like your point, like you're stuck in the cable. You're like, you're wearing <laughs> my biggest point was like, after I started thinking about all the gear you have to wear, I was like, you know what, Midge, I'm not going to come over to your house and uh, use your Oculus lift rift because I'm assuming you've been using that game rig for three hours in the latest game. And I don't want that sweaty thing on my head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, there's just too much stuff. Like what we really, 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 really want is the freaking Star Trek holodeck. And so until we have that, like this middle stuff is really fun for development, but I don't think it's anything that I currently want to buy into. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I find, I think I put in the article, like I find more interest in like, I don't, I haven't played it in a long time cause it'll destroy my phone's battery. But, uh, uh, Ingress, where it's like an augmented reality game on your cell phone and the new Pokemon game that's supposed to come out sometime this year. Like, yeah. those are interesting because you and I can be walking around Antwerp interacting together while playing this game and not separated by miles in tons of gear to mm -hmm. just be in the same room and not really, like, interact. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I think to add on to that and you know, at the risk of sounding like a curmudgeon here. Um, the thing is, I think like couch gaming and stuff seems to be dying a little bit. Gaming is becoming a very, not an antisocial thing, but like everything's online nowadays. So let's say I want to play some game with my brother or whatever. Then he has a computer, has to have a computer that's connected. I have to have a computer that's connected to the internet. And then we can play together, which is kind of weird because it's like, we just want to hang out, you know, and play a game and do something stupid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's it sucks that a lot of the stuff, new stuff coming like VR and augmented reality, um, well, maybe not augmented reality, but like VR. Uh, again, you know, we were making the Fortress of Solitude joke earlier, but it's <laughs> it, it kind of enforces that, you know, because you're, you're in your own little world. Um, but maybe it's, I guess, a sign of the times where everybody's stuck to their phone anyway. You know, nowadays when you sit on, on the tram or like a subway or whatever, everybody's on their phone, you know, so maybe sure. VR is just kind of a continuation of that where everybody wants to be immersed in, in whatever they're doing. I don't know. It's, it's odd. So, but, um, 
So that being said, I still think VR is super cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've, I've worn an <laughs> Oculus. I've tried it out. It, it's amazing. It's everything that you ever dreamed, you know, for when you were a little kid in an arcade mm-hmm. um, in those really, really old VR things back in the day. Um, <laughs> yeah. That let's be honest. It was pure novelty and that was about it. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but still, I mean, it's. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I didn't. I I almost ordered a commercial grade Oculus, um, and then I was like, "But what are you going to do with it, dude? You know, sit <laughs> right. here and play video games? I barely have time to do it without VR. So <laughs> VR isn't really going to change that, I think." <laughs> Use the entire render farm to power yeah. that thing. <laughs> well, it makes the reality even more virtual. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah that'd be great like that's a good art project for someone like uh sort of talking about uh our society is to design like an oculus rift uh basically uh app or a game where like someone goes into like an art gallery puts it on and it's just the art gallery Mm -hmm. (laughs) well it's funny because there was a an app for the i think it was for the oculus where somebody had made um, a cinema room where you could just watch it, put in any movie and just watch it like any movie <laughs> file. And it felt like you're in this really giant cinema room watching a movie when you're just in your couch. Yeah, stuff like that. That's kind of interesting. Sure. Um, it's funny. And, but then I always go, but the resolution, I mean, how could you feel like it's so big when you can still see the pixels? Yes. Right. <laughs> right. So, so did you get sick when you were doing the Oculus? Um, the first I had the first night, uh, I managed to borrow one from the, the place I was working back then. And I was okay. Cause we only, we did like the typical roller coaster joking around thing, everybody trying it once. And then I didn't really get sick. And then when everybody kind of got bored with it, I, um, I slapped it on my head and I started playing, I think it was half-life two. And then I played for about 45 minutes and then I remember taking it off and being, being feeling kind of weird, like kind of weird queasy after that. But, um, okay. I'm not too, maybe it's cause I stare at screens all day already that I'm not too affected by it. Um, but yeah, I mean, prolonged exposure, but I did notice cause I, I had it for a while and then I used another one for a while. The more you use it, the more you get used to it. It is really just, uh, getting used to it. That's it. It's not yeah. like. If you get sick after five minutes, you're screwed and you're forever going to get sick after five minutes. It's really just uh, your brain getting used to the fact that what you're seeing is kind of disembodied from what you're feeling and smelling and hearing around you. So, Sure. It's so, it sort of seems like that uh, the reverse of the treadmill effect, like you're on a treadmill and you're walking or running or whatever. And, you know, your ear says and cognitively, you know, I'm not actually moving anywhere. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I'm not really shifting my momentum. I'm just moving my legs basically. And then you get off the treadmill and your entire, like everything feels weird for a few minutes when you're actually mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm actually powering myself and moving around the earth again. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this just feels kind of odd. It doesn't necessarily make you sick to your stomach or anything, but you just kind of have that weird inner ear that, tingle. Like, disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine like a VR headset and an omnidirectional treadmill. <laughs> yeah coming off sure. that will be like coming off some weird high or something where you're just jonesing for a treadmill <laughs> <laughs> right. 
show title. Jonesing <laughs> for a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that was my experience with the Oculus. Like I was walking around a room and I was like a wizard or something and yeah. <laughs> like when I took it off, I was like my brain was like, Whoa, this is not right. Why have our legs not been moving this whole time? Mm-hmm. So yes. I was jonesing for a treadmill while I was playing that game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then what was it? I was reading it the other day. Um, I think it was the instruction manual for the Vive. The, the other thing the HTC was making like the other, I guess, big headset kind of trending right now. And it was so incredibly, um, specific like where you had to place all the sensors and like you can't you have to put it like exactly that amount of space from the you know from the headset and other stuff and it looks like you know it's very version one i mean it's always going to be like that with technology as well uh i think it's going to take a few iterations before they really get it right yeah yeah i think uh (laughs) you, you just reminded me i was like um like the uh, gear that you need right now, even like these stationary pods you can walk around in when you play VR games that you can put in your living room or whatever, like harness yourself in. I was like, this gear is like insane uh, compared to just look at uh, Johnny Mnemonic with mm-hmm. uh, Keanu Reeves. Like he just has like a visor over his head and really cool gloves. <laughs> <laughs> It was a long way to go before we get before we get there. Yeah. Yep. You just made me. You made me think like uh, when you were saying like the disconnect when we're playing video games and all the hassle of like needing all this gear as well. Like um, PlayStation One. I had PlayStation One. I bought it for like three hundred dollars of money that I didn't have, and. Um, you know, to the point where like, I don't even think I owned a game. Like we were just renting them like back when there was Mm -hmm. still VHS rental places. And, uh, my friend then fell and he bought one and, you know, we learned that like computers, you could actually network the PlayStation one together with a cable. Yeah. So we were like, we totally have to do this. I'm bringing my PlayStation over. We went to like Sears and bought like the cable and turns out you need two copies of the game, two PlayStation 1s, and yes. then two TVs, right? Right. <laughs> the eternal struggle. It was ridiculous. Like, we went to, like, four rental stores around town before we could find a second copy of the game we wanted to play with each other. <laughs> and then the very next day, I took that cable back. So, <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. Have you, I know you like reading sci-fi. Uh, have you read uh, Ernest, is that his name? Ernest Klein's uh, Ready Player One? No, unfortunately I haven't. Um, but I, I've I've been recommended it quite a few times already. So uh, I, I really should get down to reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a weird answer, I know. But um, no, I was actually, the last couple of books that I read were the, uh, the James S.A. Corey books. Or that new sci-fi series, The Expanse, is being based on. Oh, so, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for once, I was actually 
before you know the series or the movie or whatever it's kind of kind You're of reading the books experience. <laughs> yeah and uh now i can be like oh the books are so much better but, <laughs> <laughs> no but um but yeah but ready player one is definitely uh, i've heard it been being talked about quite a few times so uh, it's definitely one that i want to pick up and read so um so the last time we talked <clears throat> you were very excited sort of because you were stuck in limbo waiting and waiting and waiting for your new camera to come in the mail. Uh, um, yes. And then now I see on the mentisa.net that uh, you've obviously gotten it because you've been playing around with uh, photogrammetry again. So tell my mom and the other listeners what photogrammetry is. <laughs> um, it is the completely insane process of taking over a hundred pictures of a single object to then let an application on your computer recreate that in 3d basically mm. it's for people that are way too lazy to model things. And I am a very proud, proud member of that club. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, not only that, but I mean like nowadays it gets used in visual effects to like scan actors, to make digital doubles, to do all kinds of things. Even in the games industry, they they're using it um, to create props and assets and, um, I don't know. I find it a really interesting process to see, uh, what works and what doesn't because I'm just one guy doing it with one camera and like the people that are doing it professionally. Um, like there's a guy called Jeffrey Ian Wilson. Uh, he, he works with all in, in that industry. He's been doing that for a while and you can see some of the stuff that he does is the quality is absolutely amazing. And then the, um, the actual companies or studios that are, uh, specializing in this kind of stuff. I mean, they have rigs with literally, you know, 60 DSLRs all set up to take pictures at the same time. Um, and then we have people at the, I think it's um, the Southern California Institute of Technology. I think somebody like Paul de Buffec, um, who created that light stage thing and are going through iterations of that, creating like digital humans. And it's, it feels really cutting edge and yet I can do it with my camera here at home. It's kind of, it feels really, really <laughs> space agey to me still. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, I enjoy it. It's a super cool process. And, yeah. Some uh, of the rigs, like the lighting rigs alone, just to get the lighting even are just like, you just look like you're watching a sci-fi show when you see these people doing these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. <clears throat> so like traditionally, like you said, you would have to, like on your website, I guess you've got uh, bread was your first experiment and then fruit now. So uh, mm -hmm. traditionally you would open up like ZBrush or Substance or something and model a piece of fruit. And then you have to go to say, oh, I don't know, not our sponsor because they're not paying us, but Episcura <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> to uh, to then. Yeah, I should be charging them this time. Just kidding. Uh <laughs> You, you have to find like the texture of, say, a pear. And then even though you have like this picture of the skin of a pear to then map around the object, you mm -hmm. then you need like other things called like normal maps and all these different maps to get the because if you shine a light over, it's just going to be shiny and you want like a texture to appear. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that am I getting all this right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, although photogrammetry, it gives you some information, but not all. I still have to create some of the maps uh, by hand in Photoshop or in other programs. Um, 
But the thing is you get perfect geometry and that's, that's really amazing. Like if a scan goes really, really well, um, and certain objects lean themselves a lot better to this kind of process than others. If you get really reflective stuff, um, or let's say, uh, something that's refractive, for example, it's impossible because the, what the camera sees changes every time, um, your point of view changes towards the object, but stuff like rocks, trees, things that don't reflect a lot, uh, and have like intricate patterns on them. They're really, they're actually quite easy to scan and they're a lot of fun because the amount, the sheer amount of detail that you get, you can just like keep zooming in. Um, and especially it's also the reason why I bought the camera that I bought because it has, for once, you know, with digital cameras, the megapixels actually made a difference because the bigger my image was, the more detail it had, so the better the scans are. Um, and it's really cool because, like, you have this, I had this, you know, I had this lemon and then I scan it and I have, like, exactly the same lemon in 3D a couple of hours later. And it's like, this is kind of weird. You know, how far are we going to have to go before we can scan it in such a way that we can then, you know, like, replicate it afterwards you know what i mean is this the beginning of the star wars replicator i don't know maybe <laughs> um but you, you never know where it's gonna go uh but then yeah when you see what like the really big studios do that's what i want to move towards um like being able to do people really well uh and just getting the most out of using one camera for now and maybe you know if it happens maybe at some point ever getting funding to do a bigger rig or in a couple of years, maybe I move in a completely different direction. It's an offshoot of, of photogrammetry. You never know, I guess. <laughs> oh, mom just joined the chat room. She's probably got questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really fascinating. So, um, yeah, I mean, it must help too. I mean, if you just go to, <laughs> wish I understood this better. She says, um, it must be, a little bit easier too, because you have that object in front of you when you're making these maps to then map out the texture versus like just sort of faking it from an image you downloaded from some texture website. Yeah. And it's all, but it's at the same time, it's funny because you have this object in front of you and you keep like moving around, staring at it from different angles, making sure that you're getting the reflection kind of right. And, um, it's, again, it's funny. Like if I wonder sometimes if people would, see what I'm doing during that process, they would probably think I'm crazy or something. You know what I mean? Cause here I am like turning a melon on a turntable, like a, a couple of degrees at a time, <laughs> taking a picture, like, all right. And then moving the camera down a little bit, doing the same thing. And until I have literally like a hundred or 150 pictures of, of one object, um, and then throwing it all in the computer and, and letting it, you know, calculate and clean it up. But, uh, it's, Again, it's one of those things to, to kind of go back to what we were saying earlier. Another great thing to uh, teach yourself patience, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I noticed, like, no, did you upgrade the camera and the turntable, or are you still using a cheese plate? <laughs> it's still the cheese plate. It's still rocking it. So um, it still works. <laughs> I've added a couple of little extra lines uh, with a Sharpie, but other than that, um, still the same deal. <laughs> Is that your next? Uh, is that your next maker slash hardware project to uh, to automate the uh, the wheel and the photo taking? That would be cool. Yeah, I've been thinking about some ways of how to do it, um, but I mean, uh, there's somebody with an Arduino out there that's like, dude, 
come on, this isn't hard. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't really have that much much experience with it yet. Um, sure. But at the same time, I don't mind pushing the button, to be honest, on the camera. I mean, the, the cool thing about the camera I have, you can uh, take a camera from your smartphone. So I actually get a preview of what I'm taking so I can see, make sure it's in focus and then, and then hit the button. Yeah. Um, cause I wouldn't trust autofocus to get it just right every time. Right. Yeah. And, um, but other than that, I do want to kind of upgrade the cheese plate into like a, a spinning cylinder, uh, maybe painted, painted black. So I have, uh, mm. I have something that's a little more neutral to yep. present yep. the objects on. Right. Yeah. I just was watching, I don't know. Oh, one of the guys from Obscura sent me a video about someone else who made a rig to uh, scan objects. And yeah, he was like talking about all these different fabrics. He tried to get like a neutral background. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can get you can get into crazy details if you really want to. Um, like there's this uh, Facebook group, the 3D scanning uh, user group, I think it's called. And like. Every now and again, all these homemade rigs pop up, like people just getting getting creative in their garage. And it's insane. Like the stuff people come up with, it's all these crazy contraptions just so they're able to scan like a flower pot or rock or you know, <laughs> these really mundane <laughs> objects that everybody takes for granted. That's awesome. And then like everyone in the Facebook group is like, oh, my God, that's the most gorgeous thing ever. Yeah, oh, right. so sweet, dude. I wish I had the time to construct like the same thing. Or what kind of wood are you using? You know, it, yeah. it's it's interesting that like the DIY side of people comes comes into play with it as well. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. They want yeah. to post their entire backyard into the Oculus Rift somehow, mm-hmm. <laughs> so other people can walk around it. Exactly. Well, I'm gonna. I just bought uh, an Arduino to play with the, and uh, I haven't used it in over a week. So, you know, I'll have to put a thing in my calendar that says, Chris, you got to play with this thing. And if you don't send it to Midge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so tell us uh, two white Midwest Americans about living in Antwerp. Is it like absolutely gorgeous? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's medieval. So I guess, there's not much of that where you, where you guys live. Um, <laughs> That's true. Which, which has, well, the thing is, it has its pros and cons for sure. Um, the pros is that, it, you know, it's very beautiful, obviously. The cons is that they're very narrow streets. And in a city that, you know, is not huge compared, compared to American standards, but um, there's a lot of cars going through it every day. It's kind of a nightmare. Now, I'll admit I'm actually a pretty lucky person to be living in Antwerp because we have a river running through the city Mm. and I live on the other side of the river. So I have a very short commute of only 15 minutes, but I live on the very quiet side. So, um, ah, nice. It's nice because I can be in the city for work, but then literally uh, I live on, on the riverbank. So then I come home and I see the same city and all the craziness, but I'm just kind of sitting in my living room and, (laughs) you know, nice, quiet, um, it's interesting because you can leave it behind, but, uh, Antwerp's definitely a very cool place to live. Um, I think when it comes to stuff like music and creativity, um, there's a lot of young people trying all kinds of crazy things. Um, it's especially for music. It's a very great, a very good city. Uh, a lot of international artists come through here and, um, yeah, I love it. I mean, I love Antwerp. It's the city I was born in and keep coming back to. So it must mean something, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah, before Ireland, you were uh, in Australia, right? But that was really young. <laughs> that was, a, yes, a very long time ago. I was like two years old when we moved there. And uh, uh, we lived there for about three years. So, so is it a big river? Like, are there bridges? Um, there isn't a single bridge because it's all tunnels. <laughs> oh, nice. So, even even to cross it like on a bike or by foot, um, there is a tunnel under the the Sielda, which is what the river is called. Um, that is really just meant for people biking and, and walking. So it's very odd, but um, there's a lot of really like big shipping. Uh, the Antwerp Harbor is is definitely one of the more active harbors um, mm, okay. in the world. So there's a lot of stuff coming and going, um, which is nice because I I get to see boats from from my living room, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, we have. Um, I'm from uh, Grand Rapids here in Michigan, and and uh, we have a we have a a river flowing through the middle of the city as well, but it is not the kind of river that any boat can really traverse because it's for the most part very shallow. It doesn't really have very many rapids on it anymore because it's been it's been all more or less dammed up, and so it it runs very slowly. But you can usually, if it's a clear day, you can see right to the bottom of the river, which is a is kind of a cool sight. But it's never something that where you would see a boat. You might see some people and waders fishing on it is more likely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, the river here um, it uh, it opens up into the North Sea. So sure. from here, shipping yeah. to other parts of the world actually is very, very easy to do. So, um, and even like every now and again, it's funny because you get this cruise liner, which is literally about twice as high, if not higher than like the tallest apartment building <laughs> on the other side of the river. Sure. So you just get this wall of steel floating by, which is very, it's an interesting, uh, interesting view. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we also have a river and it's a valley. So like we have bridges and. I just asked that question because I too live on one side of the river and it's just, to me, I just find it like a tremendous pain to go the other side because uh, there's just not enough bridges. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not enough so, methods to get across. Yeah. So like if you wanted to go across, like I think I had like ukulele lessons in the afternoon on the other side the, and it was just like if you wanted to go across in a car, like it would be faster for me to walk, like, cause people are, the traffic is just locked up and mm. yeah. And they're building a new bridge to replace one of the bridges. And I was like, that's really exciting. <clears throat> and then, uh, come to find out like they aren't making it any bigger. It just needs to be rebuilt because the other one's going to die. Right. So <laughs> no. I was like, why aren't you making any bigger? And you know, the, the truth of the matter is like any city is like, they don't want cars in the city anymore. And so, right. So they're trying not to build infrastructure that encourages even more. To right. Up. You, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, Oh, I totally get that because I don't even have a car personally. Uh, we have one car between me and the wife, but uh, I'll just walk everywhere. So I'm fine with that. But I'm just like those times that I do want to cross the bridge, it's a real pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so so yeah it's yeah. interesting our little tunnel here is pretty interesting as well when i when i take the bike to work um like the bicycle uh it's it was built in the 30s wow so like the the elevator and stuff leading down to it it's all ancient and it's it's very cool but that means it also breaks down a lot 
Mm. And um, it's very frustrating to like want to go home and uh, then turns out the, the elevator isn't working. And then when they shut off the escalators, you don't want to push your bike up two really, really long flights of escalator. <laughs> it really sucks. Um, and then like there's another tunnel which was built in the 80s, which is way smaller and is very grimy and kind of nasty because nobody really goes there and they don't really keep it clean. Um, so it's interesting because it's only 15 minutes, but it can take a lot longer <laughs> if you get unlucky. Um, mm-hmm. Like a, a few weeks ago, uh, one of the elevators was out of commission for two full weeks. And it's just like you start getting really creative, like, hmm, let's go for a drink somewhere else. So we're closer to the other tunnel so we don't have to walk all the way around. And then we'll just take the scummy tunnel. We'll be fine. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's really interesting here because the um, the bridge out of town, because I live close to downtown, uh, that one is many, 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 many years old as well. I Since I only lived here three or four years, I don't know the actual age. But so the it's a double-decker bridge, and the top deck was for a trolley. Um, and there's a historic association that will now like run like one or two trolleys in the summer for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and they maintain everything, but otherwise there's no more trolleys here in the city. So since that is the top deck, the lower deck obviously has a height restriction. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so you have all this traffic like coming from about four different roads to this one bridge and you're always pretty much every day going to get that one truck driver that doesn't know what he's doing or someone in an RV who mm-hmm. like gets to that point and realizes they can't make it and there's nowhere for them to like turn around or get out of the way so now we've got to do this whole thing to get them out of the way <laughs> it's pretty crazy um yeah rivers be cool yo <laughs> They have their advantages and disadvantages. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) You just need one of those James Bond cars. You just drive it right into the river, drive it across. There you go. Call it good. (laughs) One of the, one of the uh, car boats from the fifties. Plus added bonus. They looked really cool. They totally did. Yeah. Maybe since I don't have a car, maybe that's what I should get. And then I can just deliver the, uh, Audrino directly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all you need is a an amphibious vehicle and two beaches yeah <laughs> and a whole lot of gas <laughs> yes <laughs> and a lot of gas <laughs> a lot of i'm sure i can find that here in alberta because no one wants to buy it so. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably giving it away at this point um so yeah it sounds like a really beautiful place um because of the history and it's medieval like you said we only in north america we only have medieval people not uh, places <laughs> <laughs> and renaissance fairs yes we we wish we were medieval <laughs> <laughs> right uh so yeah when we talked last time um every sentence i say begins with that that's funny uh <laughs> When we talked last time, you said you will typically, as you're working, uh, binge on some YouTube or TV shows. Uh, 
I really liked that when we were talking about that, because you said, you know, sometimes you don't get a lot done, but you might be inspired by something you watch. And I was like, this is what I need to tell my bosses. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm just going to grab a drink of water for a sec. No worries. I was, uh, I was going to ask you uh, what you have been watching. Um, let me see. Recently, well, The Expanse, obviously, because um, I was interested in, in seeing what they made out of it, having read the books. Um, I've been enjoying that. And then, let's see, I've been going to the movies quite a bit as well lately. So I really enjoyed Sicario not too long ago. I don't know if you've guys seen it. It was a movie that came out fairly recently. I have not um, seen that. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think because I'm trying to pick out, you know, the highlights because I've also watched a fair amount of trash. Um, <laughs> Those are the best. Well, actually, <clears throat> this is pretty funny. Uh, earlier this week, I watched uh, The Walk with my brother. That was a movie about the guy that um, put the high wire between the World Trade Center towers yep, in yep. the 70s. Yeah. Um, don't watch it. <laughs> it is it's not worth it anyway. Uh, well, I didn't think so anyway, but who am I to say so? But uh, it was just very weird because um, we had heard like it was sensationalized on the Internet because it was in 3D. Mm. And uh, people were like, oh, yeah, people had to leave the cinema because it was too much and, and everything. And um, my brother, like he recently got like really recently got a, a surround system and he has a 3D TV. So we were like, OK, let's do this. You know, we're down. Let's let's get <laughs> terribly sick or whatever. I don't mind. I, I really want the full experience. And let's say it didn't deliver. <laughs> <laughs> was it um, was it a documentary or was it the uh, no. fictional it was the fictional movie where um, it, uh, the guy is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Right. Um, but he has this v- very weird French accent throughout the entire movie because he's a French guy. And it's like, huh? What's going on here? It, it, it's, it's a very, very odd movie. It's like a, a, a drunk, maybe, I don't know, a drunk non-European's take on Amélie Poulain. And mixed with Ocean's Eleven. I know that sounds like a very, very <laughs> weird description, but if you watch it, you might you might know uh, what I mean. It's just an, an odd kind of... It didn't work for me. Maybe other people will really like it. I mean, again, that's all subjective, but I was kind of disappointed because it's a story about how he, you know, figures out how to break into the, to the towers and, you know, two teams breaking in and then getting the wire across. And you're like, all right, this sounds like a really cool concept. You know, I mean... Sure. It's Pretty yeah. interesting, but then the way they, they present it is just like, how, why, why did you do that? Like, it could have been almost a heist movie. And sometimes it tries to be that, but it didn't quite work. Anyway, I'm going on too long about this movie. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Watch it if you like it. You like it if you don't. If you don't, we, we'll, we'll rewatch it for Film Frown and you can come on. And <laughs> <laughs> we won't make you rewatch it, though, if you really don't want to. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, I don't know. I'm actually talking about speaking of rewatching. I've been rewatching a fair amount of stuff lately. Uh, a lot of science fiction, um, which is my favorite genre to begin with anyway. Okay. Um, so what I watch again. Yeah. I watch Tron legacy almost religiously, uh, once a year, at least. Interesting. Um, 
I it's one of my, if not the favorite movie uh, that I have of all time. I think, um, but I really like the guy that directed it, Joseph Kaczynski, because he um, he used to be an architect who used to also draw like visualizations and maps and stuff. I think I read somewhere once. Sure. And you can really see that he's a very visual person because everything is so designed in those movies. Mm-hmm. And like he works with those big designers that I talked about earlier, like Chimunk and Ash Thorpe and that whole crew of people, um, Danny Yunt. And I'm, obviously I'm, you know, not saying all of the names at all um, and doing them any justice, but it's cool because they're from a design standpoint and from a 3d standpoint, uh, they're just masterpieces. I think um, Oblivion, same, same director, same kind of feeling, um, just great, great movies. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love science fiction and I love rewatching movies over and over again that I really like. <laughs> People so, sometimes find it weird, but you just, just keep noticing these little, little details that, you know, I don't know. I, anyway, I do I'm, that. I'm too. rambling. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I do that too with some of my favorite movies. I, I will rewatch them over and over again. And usually my wife will come in and she'll be like, Oh, this is the new one that you're rewatching over and over again. Like the thing that I'm watching right now is uh, The Martian. I own The Martian, um, and I've I've rewatched it four or five times now since I since I bought it. Before that, it was Interstellar, but yeah. um, I've seen all of the Star Trek movies probably too many times. Same <laughs> same with the Star Wars movies. I've seen them all too many times. Uh, yeah. All the ones that start after Episode Four, anyway. So. <laughs> I actually rewatched uh, the first three episodes quite recently because um, my girlfriend had never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Okay, and um, I said to her, "Like, look, do you want to start? Do you want to do them the way they came out?" And she she said to me very honestly, which I which I thought was really cool. Um, she was like, "Look, start with the ones that were made later because if we start with the really old ones and I'm put off by them, I, I'm not going to finish." And just ah, okay. start with the newer stuff that's visually a little more interesting. And then, you know, once I get a hang of the story, I, I won't mind going into the older ones as much. So it's unfortunate because, you know, we all know about the big reveals that happen in, in the older movies. Right. Um, yes. That gets taken away a little bit. But at the same time, I get the point. And um, I, for one of the first times in my life, I fell asleep during the movie, which was episode two. So that <laughs> proved to me that it really is not, you know, as. Sure. Yeah, up, up to the standard that you'd want it to be, I guess. <laughs> but um, and of course, and this is a yeah, the wire. They they remastered it, and um, the the TV series The Wire, yep. which was uh, on HBO a long time a while ago, and now it's like completely remastered in 1080, and it was just an excuse to watch it for like the third or fourth time at this point. It's just <laughs> it's such an amazing show. Like it's so masterfully written and directed, and yeah. I don't know. I really love that show as well. So I've been rewatching that as well, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you seen the uh, Tron uh, cartoon that came out after yeah. the movie? Definitely. Uh, yeah. That was interesting. It uh, was. The character design was a little, wasn't completely to my taste, unfortunately. They all feel, felt a little stretched. Um, the characters like felt a little vertically stretched the mm-hmm. way they were drawn. But um, still, I thought it was really interesting. And when Disney announced that they were dropping the the Neutron sequel, um, I was kind of devastated because uh, it's such an interesting, like that whole 
I guess that whole series of, of films, even though it's only two at this point, has such an interesting history as well. Like the original Tron um, wasn't nominated for an Oscar for best like special effects back in the day or visual effects um, because the Academy felt that they cheated by making it all in a computer. <laughs> you know, can you imagine that today? It's like, oh, sorry, Avatar. No, you, you, no, 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 you can't. You guys did it in a computer. Come on, be serious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, you know, leading up to it and 30 years later, they, you know, what is it? 26 years later, they release a new one and they kind of pick up where they left off and they make it work. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit that maybe the storyline isn't the most original, the best storyline they could have come up with, but the movie itself for me, like the sequel is just, yeah, it's a masterpiece. That's all I can say. Like it's a visual feast. Um, I find it one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It's definitely eye candy for sure. I agree with that. Um, yeah, my I think my only real fault with that film was the fact like that uh, the dude was in it. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like, wait, are you playing the big Lebowski and Tron? I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> but the dude abides. So you just got to go with it. Yeah, that's definitely. right. And I mean, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> my my rewatch movie we just rewatched actually the other night because we weren't sure what we wanted to find on Netflix so we just threw the disc in and uh my rewatch movie is Speed Racer so Oh yeah. Mm. I, I need to rewatch that one as well. That one's also uh tons of eye candy pretty mm. much. Um, yeah, a very underrated movie I found. Yeah, I was listening to Quentin Tarantino because he was promoting The Hateful Eight on uh, the Nerdist podcast, and he brought the movie up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, finally someone is going to say, like, this is a good movie. And he's like, yeah, it just didn't work for me. And I was like, oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I bring it up. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that one is also has such an interesting uh, – history as well and just the 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 i mean at the time like we technology moves so fast these days like we maybe don't give a lot of credit to things uh because it's already done but mm-hmm. i mean i just remember at that time i was in university when it first came out because uh, i was a non-traditional student <laughs> and uh i remember reading like in a couple of different uh, magazines while i was working like just the way they did some of those shots, you know, now, now it's like old stuff, but you know, they, they went into some German castle and like, you know, essentially saw, shot like an HDRI image, like with a tripod mm-hmm. and just went around and shot every bit of it. They had permission to go in there where people aren't usually allowed. And then they just created a bubble around the cast with mm-hmm. the pictures. And I was like, that's amazing. And then it's super cool. Yeah. Some of the other scenes, like they would shoot like in a location and then they, in case they didn't want to use that location or replace it, they had two crew members with like a, basically like they had built like a six foot by six foot, like green screen on a box on sticks. And they just have two <laughs> crew members hold it behind like the two casts for the close. <laughs> and I was like, Wow. That's cool. Like they're just like, you know what? We might not use this scenery. So let's just have like a quick backdrop. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 
So that's my that's little guilty thing. How are you enjoying the expanse? The book has ruined you. Um, no, I actually think they did a pretty good job with the series, to be honest. Um, the, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I always liked the, the books, um, like the story behind the books. And I think they're, they're able to capture it quite well, uh, in terms of, you know, creating a series out of it. Um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoying it actually to be, to be completely honest. Yeah. I, I struggled with the first episode because, uh, I was really struggling. I was like, oh, I had so much hope for this and I'm really, they're trying to do too much at once. And then I sort of stepped back after I watched the second episode and I was like, see, this was basically a two hour pilot that they shot, but then sci-fi split it in half. And so it just made no sense as separate episodes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, but it's nice to see sci-fi trying to get away from the cheese. Like it's been pretty bad when it comes to sci-fi shows. Like, yeah, back yeah. in the day, Battlestar Galactica was huge and it was right. awesome. And then from there on, it, it, I hope this could be like the next one after Battlestar Galactica because I felt like there was nothing that really managed to approach the same level of like style and and content. But um, so I've got high hopes for the expense. Like I've been enjoying it. And I hope they can keep it up and, and make it look really, really cool and, and make the story work. Yeah, I agree. Like I, yeah, same thing. Like they've been doing so much of the cheese, as you say, mm. that, uh, and I, I don't even mind some of the cheese, but. No, um, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's time yeah. for something epic again, you know? Well, they, they had like a, they had a Stargate series, didn't they? For a little while on that's, sci-fi. That's true. Stargate. Um, that they had done in between. Universe. universe. Yeah. That Star- was so good. That yeah. was so good. Yeah. I thought that's that was true. really great and it just didn't get. I don't know if it just didn't get traction or if Stargate was a is one of those yeah. you know it's one of those universes where it's kind of fleshed out so it's hard to keep it going maybe but well the thing is it it kind of approached it from a whole new angle and I think it just never got the audience because they did do two seasons and yeah. the second season ends on such a cliffhanger you're like oh yeah. for the love of Christ why yeah. why <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well I think too like it's an interesting it's it's yeah it's just very crazy because initially like if you take the movie out of the canon the Mm -hmm. first like stargate sg1 and then you have atlantis they both did have that element of cheese right the little Mm -hmm. wry like humor Mm -hmm. here and there yep and then stargate universe was just hammering you with the drama right so if you were a stargate fan that might have been too much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Stargate Universe though is like it's what I wish Star Trek Voyager had been. <laughs> because it's a it's sort of the same type of thing, like there there's a sen- it's a sense in which they're stranded. It's a totally different kind of thing. Um and it is it's definitely a departure. Uh and that was certainly not what I got with Voyager, which is not a bad Star Trek series, but it's not one of the best Star Trek series either. And that's <laughs> that's what I that's what I liked about uh Stargate Universe was that it wasn't um cheesy sci-fi. It was it was trying to be pretty uh it was gritty, yeah. Yeah, pretty gritty, yeah. So what's next for Midge? <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Lots of teaching lately. So I guess that's going to keep continuing. Um, 
Uh, we, yeah, a big personal project throughout 2016, um, together with uh, my brother and a friend of mine. And uh, we'll see where that goes. We kind of, we haven't really committed to anything as in, we're not saying that we're absolutely going to finish something, but we have a really cool idea that we want to work on uh, for the next year. And for me, it's a way to uh, also learn a lot about, um, working with people through the internet and kind of have a distributed distributed system to sync stuff up. And, and like, I always look for the hardware side of things because uh, that's <laughs> kind of the stuff I do. Um, so for me, it's an interesting experiment to see, you know, can we pull this off uh, working from three different locations and, you know, not screwing each other over or overwriting each other's files that we've been working on for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's so we'll interesting. See. Yeah, working over the long distance. I was... Like when you said it was like a big project that you were taking on, I was like, well, if you need two Americans for voice acting for the English version. (laughs) Hey, you never know. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, we really appreciate you uh, taking your evening to talk with us this afternoon. Did that make sense? I'm very happy to. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, so this is the token sign-off portion of the podcast and plug section. Uh, where can people find you, Midge, and uh, plug away at something you want them to see, if you wish? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like TheMantissa.net is my blog. And yeah, if people want to want to check out what I do, that's probably the best way to find me. Um, on Twitter, it's at the underscore Mantissa as well. So uh, lately I've been getting a lot of people interacting with me through Twitter. I'm not a very huge Twitter guy, but, um, it popped up on my phone. So if you want to get in touch with me or ask me something, it's probably the best way to do it at this point. Um, other than that, our very old, uh, company website days.tv, which really needs to be updated. And that was a story in a foot. So have you guys heard of the grid? Sorry to interrupt this, but did you guys hear of the grid? This like artificial intelligently designing website thing. No, I haven't. No? Okay. It was this thing on the internet where it's a website that basically designs itself. You input all the content and then designs itself. And it was initially supposed to release, um, I think, spring last year. And now it's like finally in beta and stuff and it didn't quite hit the mark. So I've been waiting forever to move my website onto that, but I think I'm just going to have to change it so days of tv sorry old it's an old website a lot of old work uh, a lot of the new work is coming hopefully soon but other than that um yeah if you google my name the thing is i have, I have a fairly unique name so you can find me on all kinds <laughs> of social media so and it's d-a-z-e dot tv just yeah, to let D-A-Z. people know and I'm sure like it had nothing to do with the fact that you're obsessed with Tron that uh, you were looking at a product called the grid <laughs> of course, they they scored some serious points when they called it the grid. Um, I was immediately hooked. So, and it's actually a, a, a friend of mine that put me um, told me about it. So, but yeah, and that and the fact that it's like artificial intelligence. Woo-hoo. But um, I think they have a fair amount of work uh, to do still. So, <laughs> um. Well, yeah, thanks again. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, You can find me at sickdays.me. That's where all my stuff links to other things that I'm doing, like, I don't know, this podcast. Or you can check me out on Twitter. I'm 
Usually they're harassing Midge or other people at sick days. <laughs> it's S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S. Um, and uh, there's another voice here. What's Hi. That? <laughs> uh, I'm Paul. Uh, you can find me online at padizio.com, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O, or put in keyword padizio into AOL. Um, that doesn't work anymore. Um <laughs> <laughs> also, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Paul D. Uh, and uh, yeah, you'll find that if you go to padizio.com as well. It has links to several other places where you can find me. So uh, yeah, have fun. The other thing that you could do, since you're a uh, gracious and wonderful listener and you're looking lovely today, um, <laughs> you could go to patreon.com slash msauce. Uh, M as in Montreal, um, and you will find uh, many subscription levels at which you could help to support the show, perhaps. Um, and that would be lovely if you would do that, because uh, it helps us, uh, you know, keep the show going, uh, keep finding guests, keep buying the equipment that we need to produce it even better and even faster, uh, which I could always use help producing it even faster. So uh, thank you for that. Right on. Yeah. And uh, I should probably mention we also I've been trying to do some more posts about the show on the Patreon page. You don't have to uh, be a patron to read the posts so you can find out what guests are coming up, that kind of thing. And also I managed to swing some time to start a Facebook page because people were asking about that. So it's Facebook.com slash Montreal Sauce. And oh, thank yeah. you very much to my mom for adminning, volunteering to admin <laughs> that page. <laughs> Go have a chat with my mom. It's awesome. Um, I say that and I don't call her enough. I'm sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> so we're back next week, crazy enough, at our regular time, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, uh, 4, 4 a.m. Central European time. Uh, like plus that, one GMT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plus one GMT. Uh, we're we're going to be talking to a husband and wife here in Edmonton who own a comic book shop, and I'm super excited to get addicted to comics. Spoiler: I'm totally already awesome. addicted because I've been researching for the show. That's what I do. <laughs> 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 so thanks everyone for listening, and uh, have a good day if you're listening live and if we're in your earbuds because you downloaded this four months from now welcome <laughs> to the future <laughs> we're, we hope you're enjoying past? summer <laughs> yes yeah, we we're hope. sorry it's almost gone <laughs> well i, I want to thank you guys as well for having me on again and for moving your schedule to make it work it's uh, been awesome talking to you no problem at all thanks for joining us uh, very happy All right. <laughs> so now is, now is the time when we turn off the live stream and I say the ridiculous sign off because we don't have a sign off, which is if life gives you potatoes, remember, make poutine. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>